Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Mitten Backstage. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am sitting down with an old friend who I recently caught up with, uh, recently being two years ago, <laughs> but it seems like yesterday, a great bass player. His name is Matt Ryan. So I met Matt years ago, probably either late into middle school or just entering high school. We both were in the same cabin at a Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp, uh, along with James Canerl, a previous guest uh, that I had on the podcast, if you had been a, uh, a listener last year. So it was great to sit down and chat with Matt about what he's been doing since we saw each other at NAMM uh, right before things shut down, uh, you know, hear about his performing opportunities, the artists he's been playing with, you know, what he's been doing uh, creatively to kind of feed all of his creative desires, you know, whether it's starting to work on his personal album or, you know, just nerding out about music. We spent a lot of time just, you know, talking about the artists that inspire us. And that was, you know, such a fun time. If you like today's conversation and you want to support these podcasting efforts, you can head on over to patreon.com slash There, you can get early access to podcast episodes, exclusive merch, and more. You can also head over to DutcherSeneca.com to see everything else that I'm currently up to around the internet. And don't underestimate the power of social currency. All of the likes, shares, follows, any way that you can interact with whatever platform you enjoy the podcast on helps push the content out into the algorithm, helps let people know that these things are happening and that you enjoy them. It all goes into the larger ecosystem of being a creative in 2022 <laughs> and, you know, in the foreseeable future. So I appreciate anyone who engages with this and, you know, feel free to drop a comment too, or hit me up in a message. Let me know what you liked, what you think could be improved. I'm sure some people would love to tell me what's wrong with things because <laughs> the internet's full of all types of people and some people are just ready to go pow. And then you're like, Wait, I, I, I just, I messed up that one time. Sorry, you didn't, uh, you should have used this plugin. You should buy it. It's a million dollars. But anyway, let's just get right into today's episode with Matt Ryan. Yeah, right. Yeah. I love that meme that's uh, it's like two guys holding guns at each other, and one says, uh, uh, "Oh shoot!" It's like, uh, "What?" Uh, oh man, I can't remember. It's like, "What's the pay?" or something. It's like, "All right, what's your budget?" Like, you know, how how much do you want versus like, "What's your budget?" You know. Uh, I love that man. And well, it was so funny because I just did I did a podcast chat earlier today with. Um, Joe Fillion, uh, this drummer who, you know, spent years in uh, Ultraviolet Hippopotamus um, and toured, mm. you know, toured the country and had like the rock star life. And he was saying how, you know, a lot of first time festivals wanted to book that band. Um, yeah. And, you know, the agents they were working with were like, hey, don't just take everything that they give you because, like, you know, like it might not be a good routing option or you know first time festivals always have problems or you know it could be oh, someone's yeah. front yard it could be whatever and so they were trying to do that trick of like 
that I sometimes do, especially for like solo gigs or, you know, if I want to have a free weekend or like a free day out of my weekend and someone hits me up about a thing, um, you know, highball them so that it's like, I don't really want to do this gig, but if I can make this much, I'll do it. And <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Their asks were get they were getting like, you know, it'd be like, all right, we'll do it for like 15 grand. And they're like, done. He's like, no, you're not supposed to say <laughs> And then their next one would be like twenty-two grand. And they're like done. He's like no, wait, no. <laughs> you see what you're doing right now? Yeah, it's just like the price. There's no. Yeah, they were just at the the peak of the arc of that band was just like. There's some people who are just like whatever, just have it, take it, <laughs> buy a new van with this with this money or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, talk about highballing, bro. Yeah, I was like, you know, my highballing's not near that yet. I'm I'm trying to get if half, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh yeah, definitely trying to like I I'm, I'm all my rates keep going up since, you know, quarantine, you know, the the like cheaper services just to have some extra work, you know, now yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's kind of fading away as things seem to be returning to normal so <laughs> what a concept you know musicians asking for more money after what like uh i don't know maybe 80 years of getting paid the same for gigs <laughs> <laughs> being the only stagnant economy thing <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. absolutely impossible um yeah man i i started doing the same thing i, I like before quarantine and it wasn't like it, I, I like to think that i had like a you know uh enlightenment to really understanding like how much to ask for that kind of stuff when i wasn't getting gigs you know because right. everybody was just like sitting at home doing nothing it's like oh wow i should probably think about what i'm going to do when everything comes back right mm -hmm. um and that like i had a lot of talks with um you know fellow musicians and uh you know people that i was just hanging by and it's hard to it's hard to put that um that price to something that has no you know physical value right you, and like like where where do you how, how do you draw the line on that and there's been some pretty interesting talks with some people recently um and uh yeah man it it, it turned into really understanding like how much you're you know what you think that you're worth and you know what your time is worth to you and Definitely. um yeah, man, putting that definitely putting that highball out there and just like seeing what people will take, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, there's a lot to be said there, actually. And especially when it's like, you know, I'm I'm starting to get more comfortable, especially if it's like you know a large company. Um, I had a I had an issue in the fall where like I got a good price for an event and then they canceled the week before and there was just no. There, you know, it was it was just like it's out of my control. I'm like, but your title is senior director. <laughs> like you should Who be do the I contact? person. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you're not in control of the money for the event you are senior directing. <laughs> Where's the treasurer? Or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and it was so weird because I, you know, I come to find out that it, it was just like it they could have just said like, oh, we're just not doing music anymore. And that would have been like still bad, but you know, it's like, okay, they just. You know, At least just, clear, you know? <laughs> yeah. More clear. But it, it was, it was kind of like, you know, one person was said, was told one thing another person was told a different thing and was still allowed to play, but took my slot because they were told I dropped out. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. not, 
no. Like, why would you yeah, do that? Right. <laughs> Did you not think we were all friends because you hit us up looking for people to, you know, play your event. And so we contacted our friends. <laughs> Here we are at our first time festival uh, energy right now. <laughs> yeah. So like that, that's what always blows me away. Of, I was talking because my, one of my bands, uh, normal mode, we've been doing mm -hmm. um, a residency at listening room over in Grand Rapids. And, oh, cool, um, cool. And you know, we were talking yesterday, uh, you know, with the staff and the talent buyer after the show, because uh, he also manages the venue. And um, just the, we were talking about like, you know, the the weird, that that moment where it's like people who wanted live music to come to certain areas or, you know, they they felt for artists and felt for musicians and they wanted to provide opportunity, you know, they're converting parts you know like oh go in that corner and you can play your solo piano or go we made a little you know makeshift stage in our you know tap room for a band right and, right and now they're like you know these those shows were few and far between so they're not used to the regular flow of talent coming in and what expectations you know need to be set or what need to be met for you know the types of acts they want to bring in and right. I feel like so many people just you know they're so used to like the visual of it they're like we got a stage we got lights we may or right. may not have a pa but they could put their amps and it's like yeah but <laughs> if, if you're you know if you're asking someone to bring a pa unless they're like a high school band or like you know a band who's willing to eat the cost like most bands are going to need to either rent or you know they source a pa but that means they have to take an extra vehicle and then right know, the cost of what they're earning on the show and most times you'll see like the one Behringer tower, you know, yeah, yeah. just like that most people will bring in, like not realizing that, you know, to put on like a real show you need. Yeah. Like you said, you it's, it's at that like rentable uh, um, level now, like pe people have no idea Yeah, when it's that's when it's that early in the um, putting things together. Yeah. And, and just like, and it's so confusing sometimes because it's like, especially businesses that have, you know, they're not trying to just be a music venue a lot of the times, especially around Michigan. It's like they're already a tap room. They're already a bar. It's like, okay, did, did you consult about sales? Did you marketing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what type of inventory to buy? Did you, mm -hmm. you know, do market research? Like you have spent all this time. You didn't just go like, oh, yeah, I got a few bottles of, you know, Founders beer in my fridge. That's the bar. <laughs> it's like you right, time, right, right. You, you designed something about how you wanted to present the business. You consulted with other people. And then when it comes to music, it's just like, I don't know, just put them over there. <laughs> it's like, wait, you yeah. could have just asked, you know, did you consult someone about acoustic treatment? Did you consult someone about, you know, elect electrical, like? Has your power That's been what updated? I was going to say is <laughs> when I get to the show, I want there to be more than one power outlet. <laughs> <laughs> and that and what other people have, I feel like a lot of uh, new venues don't take into consideration is where do I put my cases and like, yeah, you know, nobody's got that back room like, oh, just leave them like leave them to the side. I don't know. It just like looks bad, but um right yeah that, that between that and give your musicians like a beer <laughs> you know <laughs> or two right yeah like i don't i don't understand sometimes when it's 
yeah, especially if it's like, oh, can you provide a meal? No, we're not providing meals for the band. Okay, but you're already selling all your food. Like you've itemized like, all right, if I have a chicken dish and I buy X amount of chicken, this is how much per plate this dish costs at mm -hmm. cost. And then mm -hmm. you know how to mark it up. So all you're doing is just giving the food at cost. So are you, is it really losing money or are you just not, you, you're trying to milk as many dollars and cents out of, like if it's like, like a two person tiny shack of a restaurant, then sure, that would make sure. sense. But small family owned, like, sure. Okay. I'll support you. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anything, yeah, man, like wholesale it up for a, you know, give it, give it to us at, at cost. And uh, you know, cause like we're the ones bringing in that profit for you. Like, right. But uh, yeah, man, I've been running into a lot of places, like a lot of uh, new venues and whatnot that just, I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll like give you the, the, the food and the drinks and whatnot. But like what you don't realize is that their food is like Chex Mix or like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, we got some Lay's chips and uh, some Pepsi and <laughs> yeah. And like, but like in the contract, it says, you know, dinner included, couple of drinks, like you know, we'll, we'll take care of you. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I've been, I've been running into a few places where like, they don't even have like the stage finished or anything. Like there's no curtains. There's no, like nothing. Like, it's like, not even like it, it straight up feels like we're playing in like a Vodmar or something like just like this open space with like a couple of seats that aren't even like facing towards the, you know, the stage. Yeah, is, um, is this the, but, the shipping area of a warehouse? Like why? <laughs> right, right. But you know, it, 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 I think it's like, it's also kind of hard, like in this situation where we're just coming out of this, you know, well, still in, but coming out of this hard quarantine where people are just right. so eager to like open up and probably eager to make money and like make a living again. But you know, That's true. Um, there's like a lot of things that people just aren't really uh, considering before making said money and making, you know, um that genuine money instead of just like doing it for the money like making sure that people are having that uh um that environment to enjoy themselves in versus you know giving us that chicken at cost like you know i don't there's there's so much that goes into it man this is actually fun to talk about i didn't i didn't like you know think about this stuff as soon as i walk in the front door it's just like right yeah man that's you know that's part of it's part of why I, I started the podcast is just like the the things and I've noticed it too at recent shows because all the the normal mode residencies have been free shows so there have been mm -hmm. those people who are like how can the venue like my I think my brother was one of them was just how can a venue put on a free show like what is like how is money being made and it's like well you know it's not explicit, you know, depending on the venue, some people are like itemizing heads and being like, okay, there's 50 people here. They all have to spend X amount of dollars for us to make the money we need to, you mm -hmm. know, what we normally would take out of a ticket sale. But then other places, they understand like that it's building a culture. It's, it's sometimes less of a loss or an investment than like, you know, if you hire someone who's like, you know on paper like they've won a grammy they're they've toured the the planet they have all these right. things that should guarantee an audience and then you know they end up losing two thousand dollars on just the artist right. mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah 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 and that's that weird moment of like it you know there's such a fine you know 
fine line. I think of like the listening room has a, I feel like a little bit more wiggle room because it's part of a larger complex owned by Celebration Cinema. But other venues, it's like their margins are so, so thin that they have to kind of, you know, set certain expectations in right. order to like feel like they can pay their staff or like, you know, even open the doors for people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure like exactly what needs to happen, but you got to have that wiggle room. You got to have that that buffer, you know, cuz what I feel like a lot of people don't do is uh uh preparing for that worst, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just expecting for things to go really well, like opening up a venue before it's done, like, you know, um <laughs> It's like what they talk about, in, you know, if you go to flight school, you don't actually learn how to fly a plane. You learn how to bring it back down if it breaks. <laughs> like, oh. that's like what most people, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people kind of look past that where, you know, you, you nobody's actually like, everybody's just kind of like putting all of their um, marbles in one jar and just expecting everything to just go the way that they predict and assume that it's going to go. Um, and I, I never have assumptions because <laughs> I, I always get screwed. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, I feel like that's why I started, you know, at, at first it was like, okay, I'll keep cables in my piano case or I'll keep cables in my backpack. And now, you know, uh, one of, I think it was like three years ago or yeah, 2019 earth radio played, uh, some of our first shows in Indiana and while we were there, we went thrifting at a vintage store and a bunch of us got like these vintage, you know, suitcases and mm-hmm. I just take mine with me and I I have like, okay, I have all the cables I need plus, you know, some spares. I have a cable tester now. I have like, you know, extra cables in, in the event too. If like a bandmate forgets something or something breaks I have like a stage clock if we want to use like a little digital clock so we don't have to keep looking at our phones. You know, I just have little things I can put in there because I, you know, there's some, sometimes the venue's well equipped and then other times it's, it's like, no, you're supposed to bring everything and uh, that's it. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm just like thinking about the, you know, now we have all of these extra cables and extra bags in our car that we don't even bring into the gig because we know we might need them one day. But like, I'm thinking about the very first gig that I had where I had only my essentials, one cord, you know, no change of strings. Like, you know, um, I'm even to the point where I'm trying to bring like two amps now because I don't know, like you just never know. There was one gig that I went on where um, I plugged in and we were playing a, I think we were playing like sound check or something. So luckily this happened during sound check, but uh, uh, we were playing along and all I start, I start to smell this like bad, you know, like uh, burning plastic, like so- something was cooking. Yeah. And the more that we played, like the worse it got. And it was kind of hard to tell because there was like this fog machine that they were um, uh that, that the stage crew was screwing around with. So we couldn't like see where it was coming from. But then I put my nose up to my amp and it was my amp that was like starting to blow. And there was something going on with it. And luckily enough, somebody else in the band had like just this tower speaker that I just plugged right into. Um, I have no idea what happened, but ever since then I've been like, 
I kind of want to bring like two amps, but it, it doesn't make any sense to do that as a gigging musician, you know? Um, right. But yeah, man. Yeah. It's like, I, I remember watching, um, and it, it was just so funny because it's, you know, it's Karang Bin's uh, rig rundown video. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, these guys like have a very like pared down sound with like some extra little, you know, colors with pedals and like how the drums are set up and you know yeah. how their vocal style so i'm like what do these guys bring and it was like you know the guitarist has like some mexican tell or mexican stratocaster that's like he doesn't even change the strings on <laughs> and then you know he's yeah. got like five pedals and one it's like oh i have a wah that's always on as a filter unless i need to use it as a wah i have like two different kinds of reverbs, like a Strymon Flint for like some delay and washy stuff. And, and then he's got like two of the same Fender amps, like one just set up right behind it in case the first one fails. And then like that bass player had like her bass that she bought years ago, same strings. Uh, And then like, I think a, I think a bass like compressor pedal or some kind of bass related pedal from like Healy Electronics, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then like a Fender Bassman and a and a backup. And it was like that's it. That <laughs> is like, com- that's commitment. Yeah, it was so it it was like I w- I was just like, man, like there it seems like if anything goes wrong, it's a pretty it's a pretty easy fix. It's not like you know, like Eric Johnson toured some of his old classic music and he pulled out all of this old gear and old pedal boards he had rigged together to mm-hmm. like recreate a lot of the sounds from that that decade. And he had to spend a ton of time like getting stuff repaired, rewired, you know, fixed, mm-hmm. stuff that wasn't even, you know, produced anymore. And like a clone wasn't, you know, he could find maybe, yeah, a clone of the pedal, but it would have a different footprint and a different... right different he's not used to tubes that aren't even made anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you you said he was using uh the guitarist was using um a wah pedal as a filter like just like leaving it on yeah he he was saying he would just leave it on as like a little bit of a a a color and a a filter and interesting um, and i don't know i don't know if he was just talking about like if it was always because it might have been like just in the on position but off and then when he can turn it on it becomes a filter until he wants it to be a wah mm. so maybe it was yeah. like dual purpose but i see yeah yeah it, it was like the yeah very tiny pedal board <laughs> very just like efficient pedal board <laughs> yeah right 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 yeah i i recently upgraded my pedal board to one of those um uh, it's the pedal train, like nano or the Metro or something. So it's like, you know, it's only about that big. Um, yeah. but you know, it's got all I need. It's got the envelope filter for the funky, bow, 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 you know, <laughs> like, <Right>. um, <laughs> octave pedal, chorus, tuner, volume, the essentials, all the essentials. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you, uh, you still screwing with, uh, pedals on your, uh, uh, roads. Did yeah. You, weren't you doing that for a while? Yeah, so it, a lot of the times, especially because how my rig is right now, um, I actually am getting Jim Alfredson repairing my keyboards. Um, oh wow, okay. Because uh, I'm out of like 
I, I was doing a lot of the fixing myself and, and, and also taking it to a friend who could like help me out with like stuff. I, I needed some education on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I know at some point I'll get better at servicing things, but you know, I've been using the same keyboard that's Yamaha CP 33 since, you know, like Mm -hmm. ninth grade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you know, the, the weighted action function still works. There's just a lot of like, issues with the mainly like the whatever goop is used in the key underneath the keys to like keep them sliding but not sticking right um, right it's a lot of stuff's getting gunked up there and uh mm. some of the i think it's just from heat some of the the rubber um the rubber pieces that have like the little uh I feel like it's just a little metal tip, whatever, like the, you know, the weighted action thing hits that rubber piece. And then that makes contact with the circuit board. Right. Right. Those things are starting to get a little warped. So it's like not directly hitting that point and it's, you know, it makes the note not sound. So yeah, you're fixed than replacing a circuit board, but right. um, Yeah. And there's issues with my microcorg has like a, power issue um which i've been having you know i had an original microcorg xl little power adapter thing that i got when i bought the keyboard used and then it broke and then actually the owner of this studio he like soldered a new plug on it and then it would work and then it broke again (laughs) so i got like like a wall adapter from like one of those like variable voltage ones from guitar center. Yeah. Um, and that would work, but the, the, you know, it's a very short power cable. So I would have to like finagle it with like an extension cable and try not to like have it, you know, put too much strain on the, where it plugs into the keyboard. Um, so I think that just finally broke, um, but it can run on batteries. So I like survived. <laughs> Oh, you know, nice. Four shows where I was just like, okay, I have rechargeable batteries. This show's only an hour and a half. It should work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I guess regarding pedals, I explain all that, I guess, because my, <laughs> instead of having like, you know, ultimately it'd be nice to have like a Nord or a, you know, a Korg workstation or something where it's like, there's a bunch of instrument sounds. There's also effects. I can program and preset and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, the Yamaha CP33, some instruments, I don't use all of them. And then the microcorgs kind of like the synth engine. I can have more, you know, sounds and more patches that aren't on the Yamaha. And I just MIDI chain those together. And then I take my pedal board, which has mainly, you know, I have like, that Chase Bliss Cooper Effects Generation Loss combo pedal um, that does like I don't know that one. Uh, Cooper Effects makes was the original inventor of I guess that pedal. Um, they recently just joined forces officially, but they had done some collaborative boutique limited. And run what does pedals. it do again? It's like a you know it it has like a tape machine vibe, so you can get like cool tapey chorus stuff it's got a high pass and low pass filter it's got some warble um it's got you can simulate the tape hiss you can you know toggle it to blend or 
you know, completely remove the dry signal. Um, there's, and since it was a Chase Bliss collab, it's got a bunch of dip switches on the back that I have no idea what they do yet because <laughs> there's so many sound options just between the knobs and the toggle switches. Oh man, um, that sounds like something that I would love to get. Yeah, uh, that particular pedal, they only made a thousand of, unless they're planning on making more of that specific oh. framework. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, some people are trying to sell them for like $2,000 now. <laughs> and wow. I, was, I got it when it was $500. <laughs> and I thought that was crazy. But, right. Um, yeah, it's like it, that and then a reverb delay, uh, the caverns from uh, Keeley Electronics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The count to five from Montreal Assembly, this like micro looper delay that. I mainly use for like one setting on the toggle switch. If you dime up all the lower three knobs where like there's a, there's a blend knob at the top and then the other three control different parameters um, or in, you know, in the one case with this setting, it controls pitch. So if you just dime them all Ooh. up, you get like this kind of sparkly octave stacking trail of delay that's awesome <laughs> and uh and then i recently actually after nam like right after nam part of my well i guess my payment <laughs> for nam yeah was, uh, the um uh the dream mender uh from mojo hand effects it's like a, i feel like i've heard of that one yeah it's like a newer one of their newer pedals that um uh, it's a memory man clone so it's just a smaller mm. footprint and I use it for like different delay. Uh, it, it has like a vibrato and a chorus button toggle. So you can get wider, you know, delay exaggeration and the feedback knob can get like, you could literally just crank it all the way up and it'll just ruin your speakers. If you leave it, <laughs> it's like, right, right. That extreme. So you, I just keep it at a level where like, if I want to exaggerate it, I just, turn it up a little bit and then let it build before I bring it back down. And yeah. Yeah. So and all of that like, combined becomes the digital keyboard. I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried screwing around with like uh like a MIDI keyboard or something, ever playing around with that kind of stuff or you yeah. all, you like a, a workstation kind of guy. Yeah. I've um, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, I, I, pre-pandemic i bought um keyscape and nice. i think 2020 is when i bought omnisphere so i i would like to figure out how to i have a pc so i'm trying to figure out the main stage equivalent for pc so I can yeah yeah map some stuff it might just be like loading an instance of like reaper or something and loading right those patches but um yeah, I even, you know, with these recent gigs with normal mode, uh listening room has a house piano. It's like a like a Steinway. <laughs> mm. And uh I just put a little MIDI controller on top and then I just run Keyscape um and I use uh the Key Largo from Radial Engineering. It's oh, like, I've seen those before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that that's been a huge upgrade to be able to like on the fly mix my effects in and out have you know three analog 
or three just audio signals um just yeah regular quarter inch and then have a two-way uh usb uh where i can either do like midi to usb conversion um into a computer or well i guess and because you can do it simultaneously you can do the conversion and it can send the signal back out to the box as an output right Um, right so that's been cool to like you know in the most extreme that i've i've tried you know mostly here in my office like i can use like a midi through splitter from my yamaha and control different synths and then have it all routed into the key largo and i have one that's way above what i've ever tried to do (laughs) yeah it's so like and even like jordan rudes did a demo and i was like what how is he controlling that one with that and getting that to react to that like he had so many other things chained where i'm like okay i guess i can use a seaboard to control this analog synth that's also triggering software or something (laughs) that i love that stuff man like (laughs) i wish i could do that with like my pedals and stuff because i I like having like on my pedal board i like having those physical pedals rather than like you know the um multi-effects processor like those, those are cool but like i feel like the quality of like the tones that you get you can i mean obviously you can change them out to whichever ones that you like instead of just having like the boss you know gt whatever with all <laughs> boss sounds on it um yeah i've always been looking for like an easy way to uh um chain those together via midi so that you could just like save presets but then again here we are playing gigs like not shows really so not really uh trying to bring over that much stuff but yeah man i i uh i started playing keyboard in a uh, in a group it was like right before um right before covid um oh, nice. social bandits um and we we do a lot of weddings and stuff but uh we 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 play some stuff at bars here and there as well but uh i i recently bought this uh the 61 key launch uh, the 61 yeah the 61 key launch key uh by novation oh and yeah yeah yeah. i'm using uh it's got like faders on it and stuff and uh some pads and whatnot but like it it works really well with um main stage and just using like most of the sounds from logic and whatnot and sampling some stuff but um i'm just like i'm like the opposite where uh uh like our buddy Evan, he's like a workstation guy. He likes to have the buttons. He likes to have all the sounds like in the keyboard while I'm like, I just like hitting, you know, next and just like going down the line of the set list that everything's already MIDI, like already set up. And um, I mean, the, the sounds aren't that bad, man, but uh, I've definitely right. been looking to get something like Keyscape. Um, I'm obsessed with the um, the patch that they have, the uh, the upright piano patch. Oh, yeah that thing sounds so good it's got like um as soon as you plug that in i'm just like i it feels like keepers in the room or something you know right yeah it's so that that was what blew me away the the first time using it it felt like you know it's like how many hours were spent just like sonically recreating like the sound hitting a backboard of an upright versus the longer you know presence of a grand versus you know a speaker it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt it in the touch, but also just the feed. Yeah. The, you know, the playback 
it, it felt like, mm-hmm. oh, this is me playing a as close to a real piano as I can get. <laughs> yeah. Man, their road sounds are incredible. They they really have that like rich bell tone that uh most, you know, even like logic and like they just don't get it. They they can't get that stuff. It sounds very digital. Um yeah. but yeah, ever since starting to listen to I love Kiefer, but like ever ever since starting to listen to Kiefer, uh you know, it, it kind of brought me back to my roots because we always had an upright piano in our home. And I'm almost like, I kind of like the sound better than a grand piano. <laughs> it's got yeah. that like that nice, uh, that nice attack to it. You know, there's something about the attack that just sounds, it's almost like not as clear. And I kind of like it's like lo-fi almost, you know? Yeah, I I also grew up with, it was a, a, a big upright piano. We like found it you know on the curb someone was about to wheel it out to be thrown away and we're like hey we'll call our neighbor he's got a truck let's go get it and Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it's definitely like i just like the like with a grand there's you know like playing the steinway every week is a treat because it's like oh the the action's great i like that it's you know i can get a big sound out of it it's it's you know it's a treat because i don't own a grand piano but i do like i do like times where i can because i have a uh what is it a a baldwin uh acrosonic uh, like a spinet model um oh i i had the upright non-spinet version of exactly what you're talking about oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and and just having like you know sessions where i'll just or not even sessions, but I'll just like noodle or play around with ideas. Like that feels more at home than if I were like, you know, trying to just find a grand piano all the time. <laughs> right. I feel like I need to be like dressed up in like a suit or something. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a different vibe. <laughs> I feel like I need to be wearing like a sweater or something and some like sweatpants when I'm wearing, when I'm playing upright. Right. And <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, been one thing i've uh you know with the software and the hardware i i feel like my goal is is somewhere like i don't know if i'd want to be necessarily like you know like anomaly who's got like so many instances of ableton and like this carefully mapped show um where right you know it's almost like a musical where like oh this will be changed with automation but then i have to trigger this change it's like everything has to be mapped out and then the whole band is set up that way that's um, straight up choreography <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> and, like i don't think i'll ever get to that point like it'd be nice yeah. to know some of those tools but i like i kind of like the j3po's and the nick semrads you know the Corey henry's the people who have you know the knowledge of all the electric and analog gear but also work with pedals and then can design you know on the fly like oh i don't have this keyboard i normally have let me just tweak some settings and right right that's what i always that takes me back to you know my dream theater days when i was obsessed with john petrucci and um you know his his rig and everything and he he had you know he had that like midi uh that midi rig where Mm -hmm. you know all of his pedals would be in the rack but he'd have the you know the rocktron you know midi controller up front with his big uh shred stools um yep. <laughs> but um 
I liked that because he, you know, he had a way to to get his specific sounds, but he also had a way to completely, you know, alter anything, turn everything, anything on or off that he wanted. And um, it just seemed like the most seamless way to get like whatever sound that you need for your show and whatever you're feeling in the moment. And that's like, I think that's like why I like using MIDI so much. It's because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can adjust all that stuff, especially if you have like the right controller and it has like the right faders and you know enough faders. And but the problem is going in there and you know uh, uh, programming each one, taking like an entire day. Yep, it's like setting up an Apple ID or something, or like, I don't know, like <laughs> it, it, it. It's the biggest headache until you just have it done, and then it works so well. Yeah, it's and it's so. Like I think of uh you know like Andy Fettig. I chatted with him last year. He plays with um uh the marsupials and lipstick Jody and marsupials. Yeah. <laughs> and uh uh lipstick Jody that band is like you know like indie rock, synth pop, you know, lots of danceable music that's this swirl of like electronic and uh, acoustic textures. Um, and a lot of the stuff he does, you know, he's got one of those, um, the, was it from Empress effects, the Zoya, the, the pedal box that has like, like, do you want to do sequencing? It's got a, you know, a little sequencer grid. Do you want to do, you know, do you want a bunch Whoa. of effects? It's got an effects library. Do you want certain instrument sounds? It has like a MIDI bank. Do you want like it's this Dang. box that just there the possibilities are all over the place. And then there's like a user base community that, you know, people can make patches and post them up for downloading and right, um, right. And they're updating, you know, what it how it can function. They're just updating the pedal itself. So that's awesome like there's things that even just like that pedal by itself or like some of the synth stuff he does like he's really good at at crafting those kinds of tones and sounds where it's like oh it's a pad but it's got this like rhythmic pulse to it that's midi clocked to what the drummer's doing and <laughs> like so or like uh what was it um i can't remember which band they you know they were a side project of a larger band and I can't remember the larger band, but this group uh, elephant wrecking ball came through um, <laughs> founders one time. <laughs> I love all of these band names, man. Yeah. Marsupials, the elephant wrecking ball. I, <laughs> I'm all here for it. That's great. Uh, they, they uh, kind of blew my mind with, cause the setup was, there was a trombone player. He had a bunch of pedals and then there was a station set up with like a main MIDI, con like a tiny little MIDI keyboard that was chained to like all of the like Korg, like the Volca sequencer instruments, like the, mm -hmm. the drum machine, all the bass synth. I think there was a, um, like a, it was either the M MS 101 or the Juno 106, uh, like the module clones that Roland's putting out. Mm -hmm. um and then it was bass doing like synth bass and upright bass and bass guitar <laughs> just all the basses and Jeez. um and then a drummer who had you know 
a regular kit, but some pads and then MIDI triggers. And he, you know, had a clicked track and a station set up. So he was the master clock and they ran MIDI to the trombone players, boomerang uh, looper station on his pedal board. Mm-hmm. And that made all of his loops click in with what the drummer was playing. And then he took that and ran it to the the MIDI station with all the sequencers. So the whole show was just like, oh, the drummer's in time. All of the loops being created are in time. And then everything that's reacting to all of the loops is also in time. <laughs> what? I'm just like, there's three people doing like six people's jobs. <laughs> uh, man, all I'm picturing right now is like, you ever been to, I mean, obviously, but you ever notice when you go to like a, I don't know, any kind of arena or something. And there's like, you like look at the ceiling and there's like these like, these lines of like baskets that are just full of like cords and stuff. Like, yeah, that's all I'm picturing. Like that stage has to be spaghetti. Yeah. It, it was surprisingly the, the things, because we, we did our best to keep things clean. So like, luckily the founders had enough of stage space to like, okay, we can, you know, tuck these cords here, tuck this away. Cause all the outputs were, you know, fairly straightforward. Um, since like the MIDI station, I think had a little mixer, like not even yeah. like a square, like normal looking mixer is one of those like tiny, like it's a box with some knobs and yeah. Like a rolls or something like, yeah. And then like, yeah, a one out, like a mono or a stereo output. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they, they had figured it out with, you know long enough midi cords to chain everything and (laughs) it's like making me nervous like it's like giving me twitches i'm i'm literally like i'm so basic i am one of those guys that at like whenever i'm playing like electric or um you know like a wedding or something especially if there's like a lot of people um on the stage and you know a lot of channels every going everywhere i'm one of those guys that will use my wireless system even if i'm this close to my amp like i just like don't want to i don't want to step on it i don't want to be like yeah like i don't know it's just like one of my triggers i i hate cords but like yeah i don't know that's like all i can think about (laughs) yeah well and i'm curious too because i still need to get the receiver but i bought one of those um the cme pro witty jacks the like bluetooth oh yeah midi units and and it's like actually bluetooth yeah, that's that's where I'm like, how, like, I guess that would work in terms of like pairing device to device, but I'm all, I'm wondering if it's like, if it's like radio frequencies where you have to like tune the blue, like it's Bluetooth 2.25, and then it won't interfere with your phone or something. Yeah, but like, I'm I'm just thinking like most times that you, well, actually, I don't actually know of. Uh bluetooth that works without delay you know that yeah that's what has me what has me curious because i bought i bu- I thought i bought the unit for like the introductory price before it was launched because i had bought like a a um a uh, midi controller from cme like years ago and so I, I was just on their newsletter and they were like hey we're taking early you know early pre-orders for this new thing 
And I was like, that sounds like something that may or may not be cool. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Man, I think it was like almost six years, maybe maybe even more, maybe almost like eight years ago, I, I gave into the Line 6, what is it, like the G, the Relay G35 or something like that. Yeah, um, with like the packs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's got the, the metal pack, um, but it it's... Um, it's supposed to be digital and not like RF. Um, so you don't have like any like you know, channel that you need to set it. To. I mean, it's just like one, two, three, four, you know, one through 10. Um, but I've never had a single problem with like uh, interference or, you know, radio signals coming through. Like yeah. it's, it's so quiet and it's, it's like so clear that um, and I don't know about this. Like, this is kind of like a, do you believe or do you not believe kind of thing? They have a cable tone button. There's a button on there that says cable tone. And that's supposed to, right. Um, I'm surprised it doesn't say like monster or Mogami or like, um, but it's supposed to emulate the sound of like having a cable because it's, so clear of a of a you know a signal that you just don't even get that that uh i don't know that 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 sound of a cable in there and i don't yeah. i don't know i don't know it's a difference at all so like it's like a if you believe that kind of thing almost but i don't know i whoever's right. like listening i i, I don't know <laughs> it, it could be a thing but i just like don't notice a difference yeah it, it could be one of those things where like you know, you're in the studio where everything's so hyper-focused and you can dissect a sound 8,000 ways and be like, oh, have you noticed there's a little bit of a change in, you know, this right. range or something. You and, see it on the screen, like the, what, what do you call the, uh, the name escapes me when you're like looking at the you know, stereogram or something. The, the Yeah, uh, I know the... It's got like the, the little green like waves going through. Oh, what is this called? Uh, I'm thinking what? of the what's happening now on my ipad i'm thinking of like these little waves popping up oh no 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 but that's it's, i mean it's more like same a spe- spectrogram i don't know <laughs> right 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 uh same thing though you know if you had like the um uh what, what's going on in your ipad you could probably see something there but i feel like it would only be like that much of a difference yeah well and, i don't know and i feel like as a keyboard player i'm since i'm you know, until I get like a guitar or something where I'm moving around stage more, um, I'm used to just like making sure I have cables working. Cause I, I remember like when I had a, a church job, uh, when I was at Western, um, it, it was around the same time I couldn't do a certain gig. And, and both of those instances just reminded me of like, uh, you know, like, oh yeah, this is why, you know, it's good to have cables or have, you know, like gigging yeah. with software, like to have the hardware as a backup in case your computer fails and you're right. not totally reliant on, on MIDI or, you know, if you're, if you have the means, like have a backup laptop or something. And, uh, the, at the church, it, they, they needed to upgrade all the microphone, the wireless mics and the mic packs, because there's some, I, I don't know. I think it's a national thing, but it's like emergency broadcasts change their frequencies at certain points 
So everything has to be off that frequency. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. then if you go any higher, uh, I think that's like cell phone range or something. Right. Yeah, because then you'd, you'd be screwed. <laughs> you'd be screwed. Yeah. I, don't, and- I remember talking about that, but I don't remember what the details, you know, like what the, you know, specific frequencies and stuff were. Right. Well, and, and then the other thing was like the gig I couldn't do, the the team running this like big event in like a conference room or big like ballroom um they you know they did the sound check and they're like yeah everything's working and it most of the stuff was just set up on like you know wireless rigs just like just they didn't want to run all the cables they're like oh just do it wirelessly but they didn't account for like like i don't know if they just didn't bring their own separate network or like what was the issue but like you know as soon as you know a, a few hundred people with all their phones and other devices come into the oh. room there were monitors going out there was like stuff not being sent through the house it was just all these weird issues they couldn't control anything it was, it was just that sounds nightmare. like a nightmare <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare so like like that with you in a in a wireless thing that's really easy to fix if something goes wrong it's like all right I guess oh yeah switch to a cable yeah. or change the batteries but yeah a whole rig based on wireless i'm like you need like your own like like isp like you, you not just your own router you need your own company <laughs> yeah right 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 yeah that's funny man i <laughs> never seen anything like that and i can't imagine that i will for a long time because of that reason yeah yeah man. as yeah as much as tech like you know, it, it, it can become adaptable and, and, you know, certain things change. It's like, there's nothing stronger than like plug it in there and it plugs in there and that's it. Yeah. Like there's no other possible way. There's a path for it to go. Ain't broke, don't change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But um, yeah, you've been, uh, I, I mean, you've been mentioning like rigs and, and other, you know, seeing certain venues. Have you been, like back to more of a semi-regular touring schedule now that I feel like this year, especially for me, I've, I've booked a lot more things than I have the past couple of years. Right. Right. Um, so this year is going to be pretty busy for weddings for me. Um, Cause that's oh, nice. where, you know, that's like my work. Right. Um, right. So that I can do the things that I want to do and that's not playing weddings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I don't mind doing it and I love the job that I have, but, you know, it can get like a night. It, it, it can feel very nine to five y. Um, yep. But uh, at this point, um, I don't have a lot of like travel stuff. I did just get back from um, Dallas, uh, I don't know, about three, four months ago, um, playing with uh, Alex Isley um, oh, and nice. uh, um, a few other cats from Detroit. Uh, when she came into Detroit last year, we, we played with her. Um, had this hookup, uh, Brandon Williams, he's a drummer. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. Grammy nominated, um, Detroit cat. He's, he's written, he's got like Taylor Ixty, Robert Glasper, like all these dudes on his albums and stuff. Wow. Um, very thankful to call him, a, uh, call him a friend. He's such a nice dude. Yeah. Um, but he had Alex Isley on one of his albums and, uh, he knew that, uh, I knew who she was and all that stuff. So when she came into uh, Shane Park, um, 
it was me and uh you know sasha kashperko yeah we i i first heard his name when uh i recorded something with evan taylor uh back in 2020 uh, trumpet player mm-hmm. um and i've i know we're like social media friends but i've yet to meet him in person <laughs> Yeah, I love Sasha. He's a, he's a great dude and a disgusting player. He's he's dumb. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, keyboardist named uh, Derek Benford. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was great, man. We got to get to play with her on stage, and um, she liked it, so she asked us back and got us out to Dallas last year. Um, it was fun. We got to play a show with uh, Anthony Hamilton and. Uh, yeah, 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 it was great. Um, a couple other cats. Um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully more coming this year. Um, yeah, not no assumptions. <laughs> I don't do that. But uh, yeah, yeah, hoping, you know, hoping more of that kind of stuff happens. Um, uh, the big, the big goal for this year is uh, I'm uh, putting it out there now is I'm doing my own album. So awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting to write stuff. I've had a couple of things that's been sitting on the uh, on the shelf for like a year now that I'm just like, what? Why am I doing this? Like, can I please put this out? Um, so doing some more of that. Going to do a couple of arrangements, um, uh, and uh, that's that's pretty much it, man. There's like it's still kind of like a big figure it out game. People are still canceling stuff, and yep. um, so hopefully things keep going up from here but uh as of right now that's like that's number one is getting my getting an album out there and um yeah yeah i'd like to get a, a bunch of different musicians on there a bunch of a bunch of my buddies and um yeah maybe we can work something out too yeah i'm down I, cool. <laughs> i'm that's one of my goals this year is to like i've done or in the last couple of years especially because of, you know, having to do more remote work. I've, I've been trying to up my, uh, you know, what I can offer recording wise, especially like having this office here, it's like, okay, I have all this, you know, the personal stuff, my keyboards and synths and softwares, but then also in, you know, the studio right over, you know, 50 feet away, there's a, (laughs) you know, like a, a C3, a B3, you know, a different kind of baby grand sound, a suitcase uh, roads, a whirly, you know, uh, uh, a couple of Farfisas, like both types of Farfisas, one that has like a ton more sound options and one that's uh, our bass players and earth radios that he just leaves at the studio. And <laughs> there's like, yeah. There's like, and just so many like, because the, the studio is owned by, um, uh bill chrysler who i've heard that name before yeah he's uh i mean i i still i've you know i've only tapped just the surface of his experience but he you know (laughs) he uh spent years touring with like like his before he retired from the road his his two main working bands as a monitor engineer were with john mayer and maroon five and you know, he's worked with like Christina Aguilera and like all these different pop artists and rock artists. And even his son is a great sound engineer. He was with uh, Aerosmith's Vegas residency for a few years. Um, okay. So, so he's been around. <laughs> yeah. Been, been around a lot of advice. You know, he, 
he's one of those dudes who can just like you know something needs fixing he or if he has the he has the contact you know like there's a ssl 4000 in the in the um in the main studio a and it's like okay between him and the main engineer kevin they can fix a lot of the things or at least suss out what's wrong but when they needed like super repair you know regarding like a power supply issue um they had literally had to call and fly somebody in (laughs) to like help repair it. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a weird thing to think about. Like, especially nowadays where the, 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 the combination of like the new gear, the plugins, the, you know, all the fancy stuff that keeps getting updated and reiterated and and transformed, Mm -hmm. like working in tandem with like, you know, like here you can listen back, like, do you want to listen back on like the tape machine, the cassette tape, the, you know, the real tape? Do you want the, you know, the digital right from Pro Tools? Do you want it just hearing it from the board? Here's a bunch of preamps. Do you want to hear it from that? Like there's so many routing options, but some of that gear is like, you know, if you have to fly somebody in to fix this, <laughs> like how many yeah. people know how to fix some of these classic, you know, pieces of gear? right and yeah (laughs) i'm I'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of people that know how to but like also it's good to have that connection to know that they're not gonna fuck it up right Right. like they're 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 not gonna they're not gonna come in and be like oh yeah i know how to fix this and then you know there goes your twenty thousand dollar piece of equipment right i guess like yeah what's it what's it worth to you man if it was me i'd be going local but that's you know i also don't have a tour or you know a manager or (laughs) money for that (laughs) yeah so like and you know just having like this collection of all sorts of gear and and microphones and things that i you know as long as there's not a session going on i have access to and especially with there's a, a studio b that um has the a different board and a smaller you know live room that's a, a taller live room. Um, it has the same monitoring as Studio A. So, you know, there's there I, I want to find time where and I you know, I'll just have to make it because I'm fully freelance again. But <laughs> uh you know, like if I can learn Studio B to a point where it's super comfortable then now it's like you have that two studio setup where I, I think of my friends who granted they they only did like it was classical guitar and like flute they do like tango music but they oh, would re- they would record something at the studio they went to in like New Mexico I think and in the main studio room they'd track as they're going back to listen to or like get the next song ready to record what they just, you know, the takes they just took, they had already made notes, you know, here's what we can get started on edits, sends it over to studio B. There's an engineer there. He starts working or she, or whoever was there. And Mm -hmm. then by the end of the session, it's like, here's your mixes and, you know, initial mixes, here's your, (laughs) you know, it was just like a constant flow of like everyone in the studios doing something it's not just like, yeah. oh yeah, he's here to help plug things in. It, it, it'd be like, 
no, this person can actually help edit while we're working on this next song so that the main engineer isn't up until two in the morning doing edits for every song. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, everybody is like a different capacitor on the, the microchip or something. Like, they're all making it work. <laughs> the, the assembly line. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. I love it when, you know, it, it's also like, I, I, I've been to studios where people are just like, trying to help out which is great but like it, sometimes it feels like a uh a distraction you know they can kind of get like i don't know i don't know what i mean by that but like definitely I've, I've been in that situation before where i'm just like can you uh take a step back but like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> can you just, just like, like yeah <laughs> looking for something to do uh, but uh oh, that's yeah. really cool man um uh i was gonna say something i can't remember now um maybe it'll come to me i don't know right well and i was gonna say with regarding alex isley like she i mean she's like just put out a bunch like whoever's helping manage all of it like oh you know i'm gonna do a patrice russian arrangement with butcher brown i'm gonna do be on the new Moonchild album i'm gonna it's be on a glass just gonna track. talk about that man like bam 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 <laughs> she's doing so much stuff man it's it's awesome it's just like this past uh, year and a half or so, she's really, really taken off. Um, but that's remind me, man. I uh, I can't stop listening to that. I was listening to that in the car earlier today. <laughs> the Patrice Ruchin joint. Um, uh, yeah, man. Remind they, they, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, I I love how most of that is basically like a you know it's only like one part, right? Like it's yep. kind of like a loop beat kind of thing. But like the more you listen to it, the more you realize how like between the verse and the chorus, uh, there's like tiny, tiny little details that change in like, you know, the bass line and stuff. And I vibe with that stuff. I like uh, I like the way that you can make something that is kind of like, you know, just like a loopy beat, but like little, little details. It's like the small things for me when you change that. That's like that's what keeps it so fresh. And I think they did such a good job on that. Um, the mix sounds amazing. And uh, I mean, it's Butcher Brown, man. They're so tight. <laughs> so tight. So mm-hmm. like, like, and just like, it's almost like you're just, with their albums, you're treated to like this catalog of like, like simultaneously, like remember all those sounds from like, you know, older soul and funk music, but also are you you know a hip-hop nerd of today or or do you like the 90s hip-hop like they cover so much yeah. ground without being without you know it's not like explicitly like this is our 90s hip-hop track it's like nope that's just this vibe for this part of the song and then yep. they, they shift something and there maybe there's a solo maybe there's a you know a guest artist like <laughs> it is yeah so right 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 uh, I, yeah man I, I i love that stuff um I, I've been, uh, as far as hip hop goes, I've been really digging. Um, oh shoot, what's the album? It's the it's a Jay Dilla album. It's uh, um, it's just it's like one of those albums where it's like instrumental one through like instrumental thirty eight. Oh, and uh, oh man, you know, I, I've just been listening to it. it's like one minute beats or like you know two minute beats. Um, but there's this one I think it's called Instrumental Thirty Seven or something. Um. Oh man, but it, that that stuff just—I guess it's '90s. I guess yeah. it's '90s. Um, but 
Well, speaking of 90s hip hop, how about that? That was actually like one of the better halftime shows I've seen. Yeah, I I I didn't I don't have cable, so I I you know, I was kind of sussing out like does anyone have a Super Bowl party or is anyone doing anything? But I made sure yeah. to at least watch the halftime show because I had heard mm-hmm. what the lineup was gonna be and and yeah, it was very much like it was like a I liked the way that the set was designed to be like little nostalgic cubes that would get framed for television and you'd get like oh yeah that's that music video and like oh yep they're playing that classic and right right and And then you just kind of like hanging out and (laughs) i was just gonna anderson pack just like he just like slipped right through there man he he, i don't know how he does it but he's a slithery dude he uh (laughs) yeah dude i i when i saw that i was like yes like i don't know that was that was such a cool that was such a cool show to me i'm never really like a you know a super bowl guy but i do like watching the halftime show and ever since um adam blackstone you know bassist um he took over he's like a bassist and md for like justin timberlake and um so so many people um but he got that job what was it like six years ago or so doing uh he was like writing all of the um writing all the stuff and uh i don't know i don't think he has anything to do with the set but like everything music wise md for like the 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 halftime show and man ever since he came through it's just always been fresh yeah yeah it's always been something that's like like it it feels good and it it and I feel like, because I, I wonder, like, you know, like I think of like the weekend when he did Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's times where, like, I'm wondering, like, what is it like to experience this in the crowd? Because the way that, especially when they film going inside that big building they made and, like, you know, the transitional shots of, like, oh, he's coming out here, but then you zoom out and there's a bunch of people dressed like his album mm-hmm. theme and uh, right right like five thousand tick five thousand dollar tickets just to see the back of it you know yeah and it's yeah it's like yeah what are people doing live yeah in the stadium like does it how getting nachos it's, yeah it's like so well shot that i'm like okay it's almost like it should be experienced at home versus like yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah it's for the it's for the super bowl parties um but yeah man especially like this year they uh um it was like you can tell it's like all of the segues in between the in between each song is like you can tell it's adam blackstone it's like all like church turnarounds and stuff like um yeah you're like trying to hear what they're saying in the trend it's like all right we're gonna take it back and then like you just hear like all these just crazy (laughs) Right. did they just modulate what's happening <laughs> right 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 <laughs> where are we yeah. going <laughs> just like so yeah always so i'm always impressed when like there can be like somehow with church musicians they find like they find little ways to make you know obviously they, a lot of them have chops but like they make little arrangement cues that are like Oh, this is why they're getting hired for you know Bieber's band or you know other pop stars. I, I have a friend who, um, you know his his friend, like one of his childhood friends, 
had an MD job with this like Ukrainian Euro pop star and he ended up get, getting to go overseas and like do some shows with her and like just the level of like like production but also like all the transitions and the hits and like the how everything was arranged on around the songs that like it's like it still sounds like a Euro pop band but it's got that like that flavor of yeah of all the the nuances and all the of the musicianship <laughs> it's got that thick yeah <laughs> it's got it's that just, thick just the thick yeah <laughs> yep yep man i yeah i love it obviously yeah that's my uh I, I i love playing gospel music in church it's fun uh been doing that for almost six or seven years now oh nice but, uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I, I that, that that was just really great. I, I I love what Adam Blackstone does with that stuff, man. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, I would always see thinking of gospel, you know, people playing gospel bass. Uh, I'm still on my social media break currently, but when yeah, I, when I would just scroll through Instagram on Sundays, and it's like, oh, there's Bobby Lewis, there's you know Sheree Reed, like. Just, yeah, yeah. Just sitting in the deepest pocket you've ever heard, <laughs> and then that also was probably like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got the pleasure of uh, uh, hanging with Sheree, uh, Sheree, uh, back uh, at the. It was the first Alex Isley show we opened up for um, uh, Corey Henry, oh, and nice. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had um, uh, Justice West on guitar. Oh, he's and. <laughs> Oh, he's he's dumb he's he's seriously dumb um and it was the first show that he had even played with that group like he he came out and i remember going to check them out during their sound check and uh you know he was like still like learning like licks and stuff like from parts of the tunes and um he just absolutely killed it man he, he's he's crazy um but yeah sure just watching charade from the side man he just like <laughs> just like sitting on his amp just like lounging back just like <laughs> the entire night just like yeah dude, he he's he's great i still think about that video that um uh sheree reading the, the chicago mass choir you know that that like yep. viral video that came out like eight years ago yeah he just plays um, that one lick it's just that longer lick and then everyone in the room just explodes <laughs> whoa <laughs> stop it just, yeah, right. at him. <laughs> just like getting up and jumping around just leaving the shot and <laughs> <laughs> just, just losing their minds like, yeah man rightfully so like just such a yeah it's it's crazy when like and that, and that's one thing i feel like like i know musicians can obviously get it because we're always thinking about how we play and then hearing how other people play and just noticing oh that's a cool thing I, oh i haven't tried that and you know i think of like audience members like i wonder i would assume most people would get it with just from the energy but like you know there's like there's that level of like oh everyone's excited like he played he must have played something crazy or like you know a drum solo that's very mm -hmm. like this is in your face like whoa i can't even i can't even like clap that fast and look at how yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah all those little moments that are like just like that was insane and like I, I think of the people who are 
you know, I've, and I've heard, I haven't heard it a bunch, but like, I hear it sometimes from people who are like, oh, is it ever like, you know, like, you know, so much about music, like you've studied music, you play a lot of music. Like, can you just listen normally to music anymore? Or is it like, do you get disappointed a lot? And I'm like, well, no, if anything, it's like, I know when I really like something, I can articulate why I like it or the feeling or the, you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You can just like pick out the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like, wow, I like this versus I don't like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because it's, it's usually just like a happy or sad, like, you know, this makes me happy or this makes me sad instead of, oh, I love that sharp 11 that like resolves down to the seven. I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, specific. <laughs> like, yeah, right. If, if anything, it makes it more like, I don't want to say difficult to listen to music because like we're sitting there with like, you know, geometry, like going on, like <laughs> angles and, you know, equations, like, yep. um, uh, but you know, that goes for anybody's style of work. If you see it anywhere else, you're going to be thinking about it completely differently. You know, if that's like your, your line of work. Um, but I, I love that. I, I love like yeah. talking to people about it, listening to the same song. And then, you know, even talking to people that, our musicians because i love right. to hear like what uh you know like the average listener like what what terms you would put to that because i probably wouldn't use those terms but it could you know make me you know hip to thinking about it a certain way so that the next time i play it i can do that for other people um right yeah yeah, yeah. I, um yeah oh you were saying or <laughs> I, I now. <laughs> I'm like my so where I'm facing now that's where my computer is just because I don't have any space on this front desk mm-hmm. so I, I I'm like not reading faces because I'd have to keep doing that <laughs> oh okay I got you, got you. Um, which is just me just not making space for my laptop but um yeah. the, <laughs> uh it made me think when you're saying like audiences you know how what type of language or how they would react to stuff um i've been getting recently some good like good feedback in general from audiences who come up after shows and you know i think of i had mentioned to you in you know just shout out a text like hey playing these shows and yeah um, yeah. the one at 20 front street afterwards i don't think his name's charlie but i think his name is charlie (laughs) I, he, he, he like he like introduced himself and then immediately went into like you know we have we have a song off of our second album in earth radio uh it's the album title uh mother's breath and mm-hmm. it's it's a song that our singer wrote and it's very much like like a cinematic soundscapey type of piece um and she's recently been incorporating uh like a little bit of storytelling so you know we'll start making sounds you know loops and pads oh and sweet nature sweet. And, and then creating an environment yeah and then she'll like yeah, yeah. you know she'll sink the energy into like a more comfortable space and and kind of narrate almost like a meditative thing where she's just like you know, like imagine you're walking through the you know the forest or wherever setting she wants to pick and then what a great place to do that too 20 front street is like such an intimate like little you know uh like a theater almost yeah and yeah and and then like 
just being so close to the audience, there's like, yeah, there's more of that rapport than being on a stage above somebody and, and, you know, there's a gate if it's at like a certain festival or. Right, right. Um, oh, wait, speaking of which, 20 Front Street, you know that uh, when you go to the green room in the back, um, right. there's like that upright piano. Yes, I actually used that for the show. <laughs> as part oh, of okay. The so that's the exact that's the exact upright piano that I used to have in my uh, in my house when I was young. Oh, nice. You yeah. got Grinnell Bros. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same color. I I'm almost. Uh, I, I almost think that it might even be that piano. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know how they got it. I don't know where they got it from. But I'm like I'm skeptical that that is actually the piano that i used to have wow <laughs> but anyway um, um yeah so creating that environment for you know uh you were saying oh yeah the creating the environment and you know eat kind of easing into the song and like having this you know this ebb and flow of like the higher points and the more meditative points and you know it ends up being like a 15 minute song if we really <laughs> yeah, right. it. and uh but setting it up that way it it feels good to be in and i think it's been a, it we're finally at a point where it translates because people have liked the song but now it there's a, a better way to frame it and have people engage with it um and one guy who i think his name was charlie i I don't remember. Um, but Charlie, yeah. He uh, comes up and he's like, I just wanted to tell you that first I was, uh, what was it? First I was a, a roly-poly, and then I was a bat, and then I was a butterfly. <laughs> and I was Whoa. like, that was your journey in this song, summarized. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have thought, you know, like, literally – he was like, yeah, I just sat back and I was closing my eyes and I imagined being like a little roly poly on, you know, in the, in the forest. And then like, you know, I was going through actual metamorphosis. Yeah. Like just having this whole, yeah, this whole experience. Cause other, you know, other people just like, Oh, you guys sounded so good. Or, Oh, that was so I, much fun. And it's like, those are great. And right. Right. And, and to have like such a specific, like, like no, it wasn't just great. I was a bat. <laughs> I was a butterfly <laughs> for fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> An actual trance. That's so funny. Yeah. But like yeah, like I, that's exactly it, man. That's why I love hearing like other people's, uh, uh, you know, lowdown in terms on what they would put to something that they hear versus you know I'm just like hearing D minor seven. What I don't know, like. That's, that's all i'm thinking about yeah and but. yeah and like i've i've also been asked a lot recently by other musicians who you know i i tried you know i'm trying through my patreon and seeing if that's something people might want access to but uh you know like the sound guy at the listening room we uh, his name's steve leaf and we did some uh we had him as our guest last week um because normal mode uh the bass player and the drummer also play in steve's band and i'll i'll probably join them for certain shows this year oh cool uh, cool but you know he was he was curious about theory and it 
and he was kind of asking a lot of the same usually it starts with like are you thinking a lot about how you're moving through you know when you throw some weird chord or reharm or you know a line that is out of the key or like how do you it's like are you thinking about that in like a analytical sense and and it's like how does that work or are you just hearing it like right and usually it's like i can reflect on it and think analytically like oh it, this worked because that was the sharp 5 and it created this kind of icy bright tone that i wanted right. in this chord or you know i played that line and i've been thinking a lot about the i don't know jacob one of his master classes jacob collier um he he demonstrated like he he was just playing stuff in C and then he threw like just straight up E major over it and then yeah, 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 resolved yeah. it. And it's like, Oh yeah, I don't have to think like I can think afterwards about what the extensions are like, Oh, we got the sharp four or, you know, the sharp 11, the sharp five, the, the, you know, flat and sharp nine. <laughs> in a yeah. Major, right. Right. Related to C, but and then it just see. creates this weird, yeah. This it it's really just like, oh, you're adding this brighter tone that's also slightly outside of the key, but you're still there's still notes like right. It's easy to and resolve the to way. the root of the third or the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And like we have to think about that analytically, like especially when we're talking about um, you know, when when we're actually like focusing on theory, like, yeah, we're thinking about it, you know, yeah. like we're sitting there. We're in like full write down mode. We're like, okay, so this is the sharp five. This is the flat two or like whatever. I don't know. Um, but like, I really like the way that I've been kind of taught to think about theory. Um, and that's, you know, uh, theory is that gateway to just being able to, you know, release whatever you hear. Um, so like, once we get to that comfortable position where we don't have to think about theory anymore, it just comes naturally. Right. Um, where we can just, we're not, you know, we don't have to think about it. It just flows. And, you know, we're not, we're not saying, okay, you know, this is how this resolves in the end. It's just because our ears are always, you know, a thousand years ahead of our brain. Right. <laughs> um, which is why we just start playing music before we start, you know, learning about theory at all. Like every, you know, most people that become musicians, they all kind of relate to that. They don't learn theory first. Right. Um, yeah. And like, well, and I even think back to, cause in my, you know, my head canon, I guess, <laughs> uh, the, of, of how I remember my childhood was like, you know, like I started, official piano lessons when i was eight and you know preceding that it was like oh I, you know i still do this like drumming on stuff if i'm bored or my legs or mm -hmm. you know along to music or if i'm just thinking of you know a song i just start you know grooving to whatever song and then you know like my dad will be like what are you listening to and he's like i, I don't know just some funk I don't know. <laughs> that might be cool <laughs> and uh but uh, my parents have been digitizing our old like camcorder VHS tapes. Oh, and nice. They're, I might have shared it to my Instagram last fall, but I, they had a clip of me, and I totally forgot about this old, you know, this tiny little Yamaha keyboard that I had where, you know, in the video, I'm not playing like chords and notes, but I'm still like 
I'm not, you know, I'm like not even looking at the keyboard. I'm just, I find the button where it's like, this changes the sound that I want. And I'm like clicking it until I hear what I want. And then I click, I think I clicked on like a delay and I, whatever the default patch was, was like some percussion thing. And I'm just like tapping along with it in time and letting the (laughs) delay do stuff. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that keyboard. Yeah. The first, (laughs) first Snedeker beat in the family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gee. Yeah. I don't know if there's like, were you like, I assumed you started young. I mean, I met you at like Blue Lake, and that's young yeah. for a lot of people. Jesus. But... <laughs> I started playing when I was – so I started playing piano first. Uh, I took piano mm-hmm. lessons when I was like, I don't know, maybe seven years old or six years old or so. Um, and then I got my first bass when I was 10. Um, and that was eh, – yeah, I was about – wait, was I 10? maybe like 11 um but yeah but that's that's when victor wooten time came through (laughs) it was that was straight victor wooten straight jocko like that's all i was listening to that's all i cared about like you wouldn't find (laughs) me doing anything else but like trying like all the like slap stuff like that you know uh victor wooten would be putting out in his master classes and stuff um but uh I didn't really start, you know, getting into like making like I wasn't really a beat maker until I don't know, only a few years ago really. Um but I would always screw around on like the the old keyboards that my grandma would pass down to me or something, but it it, it was all it was straight up just Victor Wooten for like 8 years <laughs> and then it turned into Dream Theater and then it turned into Jay Dilla. <laughs> yeah it's well and i find that it's you know like dilla still has complexities to it but i I feel like that's especially in earth radio but also in some of the projects i have that i'm you know i'm starting to draft like everything's you know like there's been years where i've done like just crazy fun more complicated music and then you know, I'm also in school, so I'm getting challenged that way too. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I I, I want to write music that is still satisfying for me as a performer, but also can be translatable live better and can connect with an audience uh, rather than, you know, just purely making esoteric crazy music and that's all I do. And yeah, it wouldn't, you know, especially like West Michigan, like they'd be like, I don't get it. It's like, you're right. It's almost like a the better music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's a key. Yeah. Here's, um, a, yeah. Uh, here's the, the tone row this is based off of. Can you follow it? <laughs> here's your color palette. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I've, I've talked to about a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people about that kind of stuff, especially like, you know, some of the best musicians have the hardest music to listen to like Mm -hmm. jacob collier right like i feel like his music is very difficult to listen to especially for like the average listener um it's basically like a playground for people who are already musicians like yeah um (laughs) but uh yeah man i had a, a really good realization about that you know writing um 
writing some beats a couple of years ago or I felt like like wow like a lot of this stuff is kind of cool but uh you know who wants to listen to it right <laughs> like nobody nobody wants to hear all these like crazy changes or you know everybody wants to hear something that they can relate to and uh that's like a whole nother challenge in itself and I love that I love I love being able to um write something that somebody will you know I guess benefit from in in some way however they will um that's why I always liked Robert Glasper because right. he's you know crazy musicians but you know they they know very well how to just create that environment and uh give it exactly what it needs to survive um so yeah that, that's that's taught me a lot especially with beat making and stuff but yeah glasper was like last because i remember when i first started you know recording and playing with brad fritcher um when he mm-hmm. lived in the state um he showed me black radio and that was like that was Ooh. the moment where i realized all of the you know because i hadn't really had formal jazz training yet I'd, I'd just been doing like jazz band and combo you know in high school and then starting out at grand valley and that was the first time where i was like oh i you know first of all getting act having access to hip-hop and neo soul and other you know flavors of black american music that i had not, i hadn't written off but i hadn't just explored because there was you know certain presentations of hip-hop i just you know it wasn't my thing or like, you know, as a kid, yeah, in the dream theater, technical metal phase, mm-hmm. like I, I want that type of sound or that, you know, type of thing. And Black Radio was the first time being like, oh, I don't have to like, like jazz isn't just one, it isn't just swing, it isn't just bebop, it isn't just stuff that, you know, is pre-1968 or whatever. You know? Right, right. It isn't just like looking like jazz at a piece of manuscript paper. Here. <laughs> right 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 it isn't like looking at a piece of manuscript paper with flats and sharps all over it like yeah it's like yeah. oh this can be soulful music it can be you know it's it's a it's a, a a flavor it's an accompaniment it's a texture it's you know it's it's a production tool you know there's there's so many like as it should be you know like jazz or you know black american music as a whole like should be you know continuing to progress as much as like jazz has this weird you know there's there's the nostalgia factor of it for some audiences there's the you know the Winton Marcellus's of the world that are like this is what jazz is and this is how you do it and this and nothing else is jazz what up Nicholas Payton yeah yeah then Nicholas Payton's just like I remember when because if I remember right wasn't he didn't he used to run the jazz is the worst Twitter page I think so yes yes and because that's where I first got exposed to him and then unknowingly also on the I can't remember if it was numbers or letters the the album where he like Butcher Brown was the backing band for a Nicholas Payton album. I don't remember. And whatever, whichever one it was, I I happened to buy it used at like, I don't know if it was like a WICE, you know, thrift sale or if it was a record store, uh, you know, on, on sale in the used thing. 
Um, right, right. But yeah, it's like, you know, Nicholas Payton oh, oh, challenging the idea of jazz as, as even a descriptor. <laughs> and, yeah. And then also introduced me to Butcher Brown before I even know who but- knew who Butcher Brown was. And, and mm-hmm. I recently, you know, it's, it's probably been a year and a half at this point, but the the Smoogies is another band that Nicholas Payton kind of mentored in the studio. Um, that's uh, Vaughn Henry's band, the dude who like a church player but he toured a lot with ghost node he subs for snarky puppy oh i know who you're talking about yes 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 yes. yeah uh because i yeah i love xavier taplin in ghost note um mm-hmm. he's crazy as well um but yeah vaughn was the first person i saw play with that band and i'm just like oh this is what you know like the smoogies kind of have that blend of of uh different black American music styles and there's right. like a character to it and a flavor and, and they, it's a, it's a quartet, but it's like, you know, a trio with two drums basically. <laughs> and there's a lot That's of dope. like rhythmic interplay and like cool, you know, synth sounds and all the, right, right. all the grooves. <laughs> Woo. But it just reminds me of um, fearless flyers. Oh Yeah. <laughs> they just uh they just uploaded something yesterday with three bases oh i yeah oh i haven't seen that i'm thinking of the the like the two minute clip where they have that really long like that super long bluesy lick with all the bends <laughs> yeah 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 right 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 <laughs> um, i'm a i'm a nate smith fanatic i love nate smith yeah, I love one of the comments was just like Nate Smith's the only one who can play a hi hat just by looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> the truest statement I could possibly imagine for him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to see because I loved um like it surprisingly, I don't know if it made my top ten when I submitted it to local spins, because it's hard to put anything in top ten. I just put whatever I kept going back to last year. Um, but I know it made that, you know, the list of Kinfolk 2, um, mm-hmm. made the list and altitude, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so That's... many, yeah, such a good song. And, and, and like, I'm almost done making charts for the first Kinfolk. Cause I started doing that at Western and with just different combos and now oh cool cool like i want to i want to do that for this this second album especially like stuff that's still tricky but like i'm trying to remember the name of the song it's the one that's like super angry and it's got all the like you know the like didn't 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 oh i know what you're talking about i i don't know the name i can't remember the name of it though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like it's like a whole song where it's like i hope you know how to keep time because yeah right gonna just a metric modulation <laughs> soup yeah it, like yeah even those ones that are like you know conceptually it's like oh this crazy aggressive rhythm thing and then there's like a phrase that goes into like free playing mm-hmm. like, that's still yeah it's still like that album has so many 
colors and characters and and fun moments and you know michael yeah. you know, taking a vocal solo and yeah man it's like that might be one of the most like like i don't know if i've ever heard somebody scat so many money notes in my life it's just like so colorful the whole time i love that man that that drum kit sounds so good too like the, the the compression on that that kick and that snare drum is just like it's butter so it sounds good. so good so it and like when and i've i've loved i think i got first exposed to michael mayo through that that shrek is love side project oh god uh, i don't even know about that it's like it's like jacob mann and like you know, like from Max. Of course, Ox it's Jacob Mann. Yeah, it's like. Of course, it is. Other, I wonder if Christian Humans in it. I can't remember who's in that band. Um, I just know. Uh, I saw a stream where it was it was Jacob Mann, Christian Human, and uh, Nick Campbell, and they did mm. some of those songs from the album, and they might all have been on the album, but. Um, yeah, hearing like hearing someone scatting who like I don't know, there's something about like the the pure intonation of his of how he sings that is just like, oh, it's not just affect and style, you know, like you can get from other types of scatters or even the ones that try to scat really fast. You're like, all right, did they was that really you know, like with Bobby McFerrin, you're like, that's precise he did that all those notes in a row right <laughs> that fast while then, making noises yeah while making noises and and using his hands and yeah um but then there's there's other times where it's like it's more of an effect like okay there's a starting note and an ending note and they got there however you know sneering right right style of that's what a lot of people talk about, man. Like, it's, it's, it, that's really all that matters is the starting right. note and the ending note, you know? <laughs> Whatever you play in between, it's just the chain link fence, you know? It's, it's the posts that matter. Yeah. And with, I've, what I follow Michael Mayo on Instagram, and it was probably, I don't know, however many, you know, couple, it could have been a couple years ago, it could have been a thousand, you know, with pandemic hours and years um uh he put up a video where he he was at rockwood music hall and he's just doing like a solo vocal piece where he's like changing the you know the shapes of vowels and like the color of the voice but he's doing just all these arpeggios and it sounds Ooh. super cool because it's like oh it's like hearing like I don't know, like a solo horn player or like a, you know, right, right, right. who has that dexterity, but can still have good intonation and. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, can you give me just one second? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right.
There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But yeah, dude, that that album is just like absolutely it's so killing. Yeah, I've, I've never heard anything so colorful. Like, um, uh, there was a there was another tune on there. Um, what is it? It's, I think it's like the next. It might be the next tune on that album after Altitude, the one that switches between like seven and four. Um, yeah. Uh, it's been a second that, to go. Hmm? Oh, I was gonna say, was it the one that was that the one they put out as the first single? I one. think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, what is it? What is that one called? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> With um, what's his face like you, you know, rapping over <laughs> odd meters. <laughs> and making it sound so fluid because he can and he can go screw himself <laughs> because it's so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and like not sticking to like, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, here's how I will divide up this thing. It's like he was just playing over bar lines. He was, you know, freestyling and landing things, di- dividing up sections of measures differently. Like he really like went for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It, it yeah, it, it, I, I cannot believe how smooth and like, I feel like I've never heard that amount of space in between like each hit of the drums, like in seven, I feel like, like his downbeat is just like, it's like, it almost sounds like it's late, but it's like, it's so on time. It's like, uh, Nate Smith, man, what, I don't know. Uh, He's, he's, he's just disgusting. I don't know if it's playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and well, and, and it's nice too, like, I, you know, thinking like uh, you're you've played with Alex Isley. Like the the further you get in a music career, it's like the closer you are to those people. It's like, yeah. oh, how could I meet Nate Smith? Um, I've met Theo Katzman. That's uh, as close that's, as I could could think. <laughs> that's dope, though. That's yeah. dope, though. I mean, the only other way that I could think is like going to Nam you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah right um but yeah man um it's kind of crazy like once you start playing those kind of gigs and you know just do like literally one show with like i don't know one of your favorite artists or something um and it it could be someone just like up and coming upcoming artists and stuff but uh like as soon as i played that one show i was like wow like just playing a show with people like Sheree Reed and uh, you know, Justice West and and Corey Henry, people that have been following for such a long time. And like they're just doing the same thing, you know. They're just right. at this point, it's like, you know, they're not like artists at this point to I mean they're, they're they're artists, but like I see them as just like they're just like normal people hanging out, doing right. their thing just like I am, you know. Um uh which is like really humbling too, like because they're all just doing the same thing that we are sitting in our room, sitting in our studio, doing the same thing. Um, just more busy traveling because of, they've been doing it for such a long time, but uh, yeah, um, the PR it's a big eye opener. <laughs> What's that? And they have like, you know, they have teams now that can like help, you know, keep, like take away all the focus from like, like, Oh, I have to promote myself, you know, 
like yeah all these different means of communicating and trying to get you know like hey we put out an album all right we need to do radio distribution streaming physical media uh newsletter notice do we have a patreon social media like right all separate campaigns that you know you might need to pay for if you you know want certain results like yeah to have so much shit man (laughs) so much um (laughs) And, you know, that's that's what keeps us in our studios, you know, doing this kind of stuff for so long is, uh, you know, making that name for ourselves so that we don't have to do that anymore. And right. that's like that's high on my list of things to, you know, improve for this year for myself is, um, you know, putting out flyers and making, you know, upcoming gig stuff and making posts for what I'm working on. And, um, you know, in the past, I didn't really realize the importance of doing that kind of stuff but it's really like that's what keeps eyes and ears open um i think that's really important um i have a lot of friends that that do the same thing and it's amazing how much of a following that you gather just just doing things like that you know just staying present Um, it doesn't even have to be something like a video like just just a post of you know this is what i'm doing right yep and and like uh, especially this year you know last year was so wedding heavy for me that with this year it's like earth radio is going to be playing a few different festivals and then normal mode will have some gigs here and there but you know we started the year off with a a planetarium show uh where what? a visual designer like designed a whole show around a couple sets of music <laughs> and uh, and we're like that was we didn't know i mean we knew that that series took place but we didn't know like like especially since normal modes album that uh, came out in december uh downlink is very much like you know we have tracks named after the you know moons around mars and we have like other space related things and mm-hmm, you know, the sound mm-hmm. of it's kind of lo-fi space beats and um man like you know, seeing that we're like, oh, now we have now, that, especially now that we know that the visual designer is willing to work out with us on other shows. Um, like he'll be joining us for our last Tuesday at the residency gig and projecting all of the stuff on the stage. And, and we're going to workshop that, you know, probably on Monday, but uh, now that we know he's down to do other shows and he's also down to like add more material so that we can have two longer sets um it's like oh now we can just start you know let let's go to muskegon community college and go to their planetarium let's go to you know does msu have a planetarium i don't know let's let's that is one of the (laughs) coolest things i've ever heard i want to play a show at a planetarium it it was such a it was such a cool experience because like you know it it was funny because like the there was almost like three tiers of people. It was like people who already like planetarium shows. So they're going to come because it's at the planetarium and they're like fans of that medium. And then there are people who are fans of the music. And then there are people who are fan who really wanted to see the combination. And, you know, a lot of people on, you know, it's like edibles, whatever thing they took before going. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Oh my God. And then like, for me as a performer, it was like, cause you know, some of the songs we included 
uh that fit kind of the vibe we've been playing um uh dream voyager the tegan song yeah 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 and you know so there's times where like okay i have to focus on that because it's you know more involved really hard yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then and then i look up you know on the song nor a lot of normal mode songs are like like certain grooves and just kind of ambient environments but like you know still a pocket still some structure um but usually pretty open-ended and uh so there were times where i could just look up at the dome and be like i did not see this at rehearsal this is sweet (laughs) (laughs) i would lose where i was in the song i'm I'm a space nerd i love space um i I keep uh, i keep on top of that stuff so that might actually be too much of a distraction for me (laughs) (laughs) it's like what don't yeah i mean that's even without the edibles (laughs) right but and so it's like earth radios you know we've got some new tunes brewing normal mode's probably going to work on new music and we have you know kind of our first year officially as a band since the album release and then um you know i'm workshopping like blushing monk by jazz group just to see like if you know even just to get in and record like an ep or something um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you know mark lavengood's doing some stuff um he also part of his quarantine aside from taking care of his family was uh he converted his shed into like a like a very homey studio vibe like just put in a, like a nice kawaii upright with one of those Yo. like um Oh, what was it? I don't even know what it's called. If it's just like a practice mode on the the sauce demo stew. mode, yeah, like uh, where you can like push down the unicorda, and then there's like an extra level of unicorda where it's like it moves this like felt thing closer to the strings, so you have even more oh. muted sound yes and it's yes. like that perfect it almost sounds like you're putting a filter on the piano before you've even like recorded it <laughs> oh and, i i love that stuff man I, going back to Kiefer, man he does that all the time yep <laughs> i love that yeah i used to do that all the time just uh because i never liked how you know pingy my upright piano was and i would just hold that left pedal down um yeah man that's a vibe i love that <laughs> so there's just like yeah there's so many there's so many so many creative projects that will be gigging out and doing things this year that i'm like i'm already having to sub out certain weddings but i'm i almost want to like challenge myself and really like make this a year like even even if you know 2020 and 2021 there was still growth there was still sure learn there was still you know i'd I made a a compilation video at least the end of 2020 of like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I did like, you know, 30 album reviews for all these different artists. I did, you know, this many recordings I've, you know, got to, you know, do these types of events that were, you know, allowable under the conditions and right. And like got better at, you know, streaming setups and, you know, just all these, I was part of like a, uh, the Michigan Music Alliance's uh, uh, fundraiser efforts—they they did a couple virtual um, festivals, and 
normal mode played one last year and I played some solo stuff the year before and it was just like you know for like a week or a week and a half or how many days it was every day all day you could tune in and just see like like oh there's this guy in his living room playing guitar he's a singer songwriter and then cut to mm-hmm. you know a band that pre-recorded this set at you know like we pre-recorded our set at uh, uh black swamp percussion where our drummer works and, cool yeah i've played there once before yeah oh nice um yeah uh so you you probably met him uh nathan coles like probably younger dude that there <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 definitely met him yep. yeah yeah <laughs> that was probably five or so six years ago that i did that but yeah man he, that was that was fun where they just like set you up right in front of the um the the, the what do you call them a little um set or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 (laughs) oh man that was fun a little tour around there um but yeah anyway yeah so it's like you know it it feels like it's close to because 2019 was such a busy year and a ton of growth like for across the board and it's starting to feel like that type of energy again and it makes me want to like you know like all right we gotta like you know, Earth Radio's got the LLC. We got the trademark. Let's go for getting all the cop things, you know, explicitly copywritten. Let's, you know, get things set up for sync licensing. Let's get the stems and start doing, you know, what Volpec does, like putting certain songs up for purchase as stems. And letting, yeah, you know, I've been kicking around like, like, especially since we spend so many time, so much time in the studio with layers and like different tones and different, different, uh, you know, like, what if we put the drums in the basement? What if we put the drums in this part of the building? Yeah. Um, like taking those stems and uh, having, you know, electronic artists in the state that are cool, that would fit the, you know, the vibe of what we're trying to do. Uh, kind of doing what I saw the uh, Grand Valley's new music ensemble do, where they... I wasn't in the ensemble at the time, but they had recorded, you know, in C, you know, the Terry Riley tune. Um, yeah. And they recorded it at some nice studio in New York and it, you know, was well-produced and well-received. And then the follow-up was taking that material that was recorded and giving it to like, you know, like Mason Bates and Jad Abumrad and, you know, all these random people in the contemporary music space and just like hey make a remix out of it you know add beats oh that's cool change the how it flows make it shorter make it lot whatever you want to do with it and so i was thinking of that for earth radio like if we can you know take the stems that's a thing that people could buy standalone but then also allow that to be used by creators to make an earth radio like remix ep and then that yeah yeah yeah. you know becomes this other you know kind of like the black radio remix ep where some of those tunes are like so cool just from simple you know like what if the beat was placed this way and you know all the katronata remixes and stuff yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so yeah i'm definitely feeling the like you know i might not earn as much subbing out certain weddings but i yeah i feel like i need to like you know yeah you gotta follow your heart gotta gotta follow what's what's been uh 
yeah, what's been just kind of slowly boiling <laughs> the last couple right, of years. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Um, yeah, I'd love to be doing that kind of stuff. But uh, first things first is uh, um, the album, for sure. Yep. Um, I've got a lot on my plate. been doing a lot of leather work, too. But, like, oh, it, nice. it, that's very 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 specifically i need to get that uh that that album done it's just what's been on my mind for such a long time but yeah like i just don't want to think about it anymore like i just want that i want want it to be out i don't want to i don't want any of these songs on my computer anymore i just want to put them out there um but also yeah i mean what what else can it do besides you know get us closer to where we want to be right and you know i'm i'm such a fan of people who they figure out like you know I, I think of like like the the jack contes of the world <laughs> the people who like everything yeah. they touch just turns into like like just a whole engine it's it's like you know i've been uh i think uh you probably know her uh, uh madeline grant like how she yeah 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 like moved to la and got involved with those that crew and seeing like her post about um whatever i forget what cover it was but it was with uh stories i think it's just called it's like the acoustic scary pockets brand oh yeah 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 yeah. i remember hearing about that and i was like oh they're literally like the it, it's like the power of like okay they have a studio they have the means to just dress up you know a corner or like have a wall or frame a shot a certain way and then they you know at least from a couple of videos I watched on the process, you know, they just hire up whatever musicians for these sets. They come in, you know, a couple times a month. And then there's just a bunch of stuff tracked in those days that they're there. And then the rest of the time is just like piecing it together, editing, right. And putting things out. And it's always like, you know, even if an arrangement's like, Oh, that was fine. Or like, that was you know that one part was cool it's still like right. professionally done and it adds to their catalog and then you know now there's the touring group and the you know everything just builds out in this cool way where it's not just like oh i'm in a band it's like no i'm i have like a whole industry <laughs> yeah honestly <As> options <laughs> yeah <laughs> right 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 yeah man yeah this was a great great catching up <laughs> absolutely man i had no idea it was about to be you know just honestly these two hours just like flew by i didn't even yeah. realize it was two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i was checking you know yeah with my ipad doing audio stuff i was just looking at uh, certain things I, I thought i heard something weird and then i'm like oh it's already been like two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, bro. Yeah, man. It's it's been absolutely great to uh, to catch up and uh, talk with some you know fellow musician about things that I've been just straight up thinking about recently, and it's good to like get it off my chest. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. But uh, definitely, uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep you in mind about uh, maybe a couple of tunes or something on my album, man. I would love to I'd love to play with you again, man. It's been so long. Yeah. De- definitely. And uh, um, yeah, I guess we mentioned Alex Isley 
uh, where should people find you? Do you want them to find you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, I mean, you can find me on Instagram, um, matt.b.ryan. Um, also find me on Facebook. Um, I'm posting a lot of stuff on Instagram and um, keeping up on, uh, you know, letting people know where I'm going to be. So you can check that out and um, I'll put some more updates on, uh, you know, where the album sits and, and that's pretty much all I got for right now. Uh, just trying to get through the rest of winter as a musician, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, I feel that. Yeah, man. Um, I appreciate this, and uh, I, I look forward to doing this again at some point. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll let you know when I'm. I think the, the next time I'm back on the east side, I'll be there. Like, it won't be for a show. I'm. I'm I don't know if you know Haruki. Uh, I know that name, but I don't think I've ever seen or heard him. Yeah, um, he. Uh, we're getting together with uh, a singer friend of ours. She'll she'll be in town, and um, we're all just gonna like hang out and help flesh out some of her songs and record some music. So sweet. That'll be a fun fun time. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, man. Let me know when you're around, and I'll uh, I'll come chill. Sounds good. <laughs> cool, man. Great to catch up with you, Dutcher. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right, man. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs> cool, brother. Take care. All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us today. Wasn't that great, Matt Ryan? Great dude. Great bass player. Hard worker. You know, we had caught up um, at Nam back in 2020 right before everything shut down and it's great to hear that he's you know been out and doing stuff and playing with you know great musicians and just you know it, it's nice to hear friends doing things and being able to do things again that's always a fun part of this podcast is to be like oh you you you're here you're still doing stuff or you know you made adjustments but you're still able to play you know certain gigs or like you have a day job but now you're able to play more frequently with this band like all those things are so cool so again go check out matt and what he does great bass player and apparently a keyboard player didn't know it didn't know that fact about him too so catch him with his different groups and uh if you dug any of the podcast you can support patreon.com so it's dutcher for everything else but until then we will see you in the next episode of Mitten Backstage. Take care.